Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from Kyle, Texas, it's Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, from the Stick of Butter Studios, Anne Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. Sorry for no cheesy intro today, but there's actually a lot of show this week to talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to get this brisket in as quick as I could so we can <laughs> spend our time <laughs> avoiding the uh, olive oil splatter. We're going to do some LRV business followed by your weekend review, some housekeeping, and we'll tell you how you can get involved. Uh, but first, Anne, um, your name's on it, uh, so I'll hand it to you. Um, our GoFundMe for Mike and Emily is closed as of the time of this airing. Uh, do you want to let people know where we ended off since you're our uh, jam tracker central uh, desk? Sure, sure thing. Uh, we ended the GoFundMe at um, $21,235 from 331 donors, which is making me real happy. Um, I was just looking at the comments and I want to mention our friend John Takamoto said he wants to purchase the Hey Dummy mug. And I want to know why do we not have hey dummy mugs? That's just that's just me buying uh, some white mugs at Goodwill and writing <laughs> hey dummy on them and then sending them fourth class. <laughs> if they arrive, they arrive. And uh, somebody needs to talk to Luke and Andrew about next year's swag because I would oh, yeah, donate great. for that mug. Yeah, I definitely spent an hour googling different ways we could order hey dummy mugs. <laughs> Some of the best ideas come when people they tell people to uh, to insult me online. So thanks, <laughs> thanks guys for that. Yeah, I'm going to say that not enough people got it because far too many people <laughs> were far too nice to you and us in this whole process. Um, and I was really hoping for more sick burns. Although uh, we did get donations from high school bud, golf man, <laughs> uh, cabinet ass which actually is not a tbtl joke but an old friend from your past uh-huh um the the uh i've been writing personal uh thank yous emails and fortunately high school bud did provide an email so i was able to correspond with with my old high school bud i think i told him to have a great summer and i'd see him out <laughs> at some of the keggers <laughs> but uh golf man did not uh, i had some choice words for golf man but unfortunately in no way to uh, get them back to him uh, I like it took a few days uh, for people to realize they could enter any name they wanted. <laughs> right. But what's going to happen is a year from now, they're going to get an email from GoFundMe to that name. <laughs> right. As someone who once made a donation, uh, just a few dollars to a charity under the name Astronaut Mike Dexter, I get physical mail <laughs> for that name now. That's um, great. Memories. Yeah. Also, I want to thank the anonymous donor who donated 601 Dollars. Every gift counts. Um, I don't think I'm going to be blowing up this person's spot by saying that in his or her note to us, uh, which we get to see but the world doesn't, um, this person specifically wanted to give more to this cause than to, to TBTL than they give in a year because uh, Luke and Andrew have all their limbs. <laughs> it's a good point. It's only fair. <laughs> so I really appreciated the effort. <laughs> Yeah, the the amount of uh, donors, I mean, 331 donors, we, I mean, it. I don't think we've been shy about saying our downloads are usually between like 800 and 1,000. 
uh, per show. And who knows how many of those people, you know, just subscribed and went away. So the participation level for this kind of thing is really unprecedented. Um, yeah. I thank I thank you all. It's it's touching me again. Of course, I'm crying again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it was it was a fun a fun project. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and it'd be great not to have to do it ever again. So yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mike, uh, why don't you give us an update, a stump date? Yeah, I do have a, a stump date. That's my Kyle story for the week. Um, sort of, I'm having appointments weekly where we're monitoring the stump, and I think where we left off last week was <clears throat> uh, they took out about two thirds of the, the staples and uh, they left the staples in, in what was kind of a trouble spot where the the healing was not, um, did not initially go very well under the cast. Uh, After spending a week without the cast, which was heaven, by the way, um, without that giant dragging that giant club around um, the trouble spot was improving. Uh, The, the doctor admitted when he looked at it uh, this past Wednesday that when he initially unwrapped it, he wasn't that optimistic. He thought that we were going to have to do a skin graft. Um, but he is more optimistic now, and we're going back in on Wednesday to look at it again. He did leave the, the staples in just as a precautionary measure, but it should be to the point um, where I'm, I will be able to you know, um, shower without it covered and wash it and um, start... Thinking about uh, two or three weeks from now, getting into some sort of compression sock and getting um, getting it shaped because when you're thinking about getting a prosthesis, you want to um, shape your stump. It's a catchy phrase. You know, it's easy. You, it's something you can really get behind when you're working out. Shape that stump. Um, but to get it to, like lean and, and as, as thin as possible so you can uh, drop it down into... Um, the prostheses, which are a suction, um, that's how they work when you, when you put them on, and and to get a nice fit so that you have a real natural uh, stride, and that you're able to, you know, your upper leg will work well with your new uh, bionic lower leg. So that's where we are. I'll, it'll probably be the same boring update next week. Hopefully, at least the staples will be out this time. I did remember to take some pain medication before I went down and had my stuntman handled. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that was good because it was, again, a long commute home because Austin traffic is some of the worst in the country. And uh, so, yeah, and I almost forgot. I think, I think uh, like, Emily reminded me at the last minute, like, take it, take that medication. I'm like, oh, thank God. That was going to be bad again. But uh, uh, that, so that's we can't, uh, we can't tell you that we want you to lose weight with your stump. But what we can tell you is we want you to go home and... <laughs> Write down a number, and we want your stump to be that much leaner. Right. Measure it, and then then three or four inches less next week. <laughs> but some, yeah, some of the stump is uh, not, you know, there's still like fluid. It needs to. It. I mean, you guys have seen the pictures. It's 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 swollen, so mm-hmm. it's got to go down, and it will go down um, as time goes on. Uh, and speaking of the pictures, uh, they will absolutely not be our show picture ever, as long nope. as I work on this show. But uh, you can uh, you can probably harass Mike directly on Facebook sure. if oh, you yeah. really want to see 
Sure, sure. And and yeah, if you want to get that initial one, that's a doozy. The the second one is gruesome but not quite as gruesome, which yeah. you know, that though that wasn't the that wasn't the words my doctor used, but <laughs> I think it was what everyone was thinking when we were looking at the bef- before and after pictures is, "Oh, that's gruesome." And then l- last week, not quite as gruesome. Uh speaking uh, as uh of not quite as gruesome, and you've started reading Jesus Creek Mysteries, <laughs> All the Great Pretenders. It's gruesome in a different way. Let's just say that. I'm about a quarter <laughs> of the way through it. I hit the first big twist, in quotes, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing how it turns out. My my question about the Jesus Creek Mysteries is, is this like um, a Jessica Fletcher type thing where someone gets murdered, or is this more like an Encyclopedia Brown, like... Uh, Bugs Meanie steals the fireworks money or something. There is a, a missing person. We are assuming that she is murdered, but we don't know for sure because there's no body. Okay. So it's it's kind of serious business. Yes. Okay. And there is a religious element to it, as there should be with anything associated with Jesus Creek. There, There is a <laughs> town, a preacher and his wife who are fundamentalist um, Christians. Mm. Uh, so Christy wants us to read this and the world wants us to read this. And if you want to read this, uh, you can, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes, which I think I've said the last couple of times I've been on the show, then I've forgotten to do it. Um, but more important than that, go to littleredbandwagoncom slash Amazon and search for Jesus Creek mysteries, all the great pretenders. And I say that because I'm not 100% sure that if we post the link, it will refer through our referral code with that link. And we want to make sure a, we get the dollarinis from you all using our Amazon link and B, um, I want to see how many people buy it when we get the report. <laughs> I think it's 99 cents or something. So yeah, uh, I think it's more accurate to say the centerinis that we get from it, huh. not the dollarinis. Well, Emily and I just invested in about 20,000 copies. So we're, <laughs> we're all set. big return to LRB. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, better than that, we'll put the link in for the Amazon link, littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon, and then you can just search for it and find it. Uh, and then if you're at it, if you also want some coffee milk, send me a message. It'll tell you the best, uh, deal on Amazon for coffee milk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with that, Mike, why don't you get started with your week in review? All right. That's what we're here for. Monday, twenty two twenty five. Tell them the bone sent you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Luke, uh... And less than a week after making his pledge to not eat on the air, almost gets caught eating on the air. His mouth is full of salad while the uh, while the intro is playing, and he's just kind of bare. I, I will I'll give him a pass on this one because it wasn't he, he wasn't full on eating. He was just sort of finishing up his salad. Um, but this tells me that it's really not going to last. So my victory is a short lived one. Um, he has a little bit of a, uh, hangover, um, not, uh, not from alcohol or anything else except for, he had such a wonderful, beautiful weekend in the Bay area with his lovely bride. Um, and then he found himself with his ice cold hand in a, uh, in a gutter unsuccessfully trying to get his home, uh, winterized with this storm looming. Um, the, the, it, cast a shadow over this whole week the the great seattle storm i don't know if they've named it 
Um, but we know by now, and by now I mean Sunday morning, this storm never really seemed to happen. I mean, despite the, the um, news organizations wanting it to, which is always the case nationally and regionally, they really, really want some bad things to happen. It's a, a couple, big, big level of uh, lobbying from big milk and bread. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of down trees, and you know, talking to talking to some guy with a chainsaw on the road, but uh, not a whole lot. I mean, I I'm not witnessing their local coverage, but we know through the people that we chat with out there that not a lot seemed to be uh, happening out there. Yeah. Um, who's the muralist? Uh, good joke, Andrew. I'm never going to be able to answer. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to answer any question that starts, who's the muralist who? Uh, I think I think in the Austin airport, they have murals from that same person or the same person who impersonates that muralist. Because um, it's a lot of people like uh, picking corn and, and like um, churning butter. And it's like this real, uh, I don't know. Uh, every mural that I see in public areas seems to be done by the same person or the person impersonating that person. Uh, but I Diego don't even Rivera, know why the is that came up. is that who that ended up being? I don't know. I didn't look it up, but Diego Rivera. I mean, could be. Uh, I don't think they ever um, came to a full consensus on who it was, um, and I, I think all those murals look not exactly the same, but there's a certain um, public workspace kind of mural style that I think of. And I'm thinking of murals in the Buffalo City Hall, which sound exactly in the same style. But uh, who knows? Uh, uh, A lot of guys wearing hats over their eyes as they're working. Yeah, exactly. Because no one wanted to draw their eyes. (laughs) Uh, It's a mystery that will last forever until someone Googles it. So I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, who's the muralist? (laughs) All right, so uh, our donations, the Fabulous Thunderbirds... um, I think did it start on Monday or did it start did the Fabulous Thunderbird start last week? I think it started Monday because last week was the Tagney uh hair donors. Oh, right. And I I don't even know how the Thunderbirds got started here, but um I I take exception with with I mean sure the version the um the radio play version of the song that was popular in the 80s by the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Um it's kind of an obnoxious uh, pop song, but Andrew seems to think it's it's rapey. But you listen to the song and it's not rapey at all. It's just some guy kind of you know digging on some girl, which is ninety nine percent of pop music um, throughout the ages. And and this particular song and all, and so many songs from the eighties were R and B songs from the 60s and 70s like this was a, a b-side a sam and dave b-side um wrap it up and it, it's a really solid song it's just that version is just really aggressive and and very earwormy which we'll mm-hmm. talk about earworms later because i think i'm not alone in finding myself uh with that song in my head and actually singing it sort of to obnoxious degree uh with emily around uh, the rest of the week that wrap it up song um but but what i was going to say about uh songs like that and it was actually the b-side to um oh God, tough it, enough wasn't it no 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 i'm talking about um it was a b-side on, to, on a sam and dave record oh 
which uh, which the hit on the other side was "I Thank You," which was a song that was covered by ZZ Top <laughs> in the eighties, and and they they've been talking about George Thorogood and how you know his music is like um, the the soundtrack to a douchebag lifestyle or whatever. And, and I think George Thorogood might've been my first concert or it was easy top or whatever. But, uh, those bands in the eighties led me to discover R and B and blues and allowed me to go through my obnoxious white guy blues phase. When I did when I did discover that these songs, hardly any of them were written by these artists that were making these obnoxious versions in the eighties. So, um, th- I guess this is my defense of the fabulous Thunderbirds, uh, who are a an Austin creation and had some great uh, musicians in that band. It's just it's just like a really obnoxious bar band version that that's very earwormy and um, sometimes you wish it would go away. So but- what you're saying is, if it wasn't for um, aggressive white covers of all of these great songs, you may have never found your gateway to great black R&B songs of an earlier generation. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And blues as well, because George Thurgood plays, you know, all these songs and, and you're like, yeah, it's a pretty good song. And then you go back and you listen to the original version. And you go, this is a really good song. <clears throat> anyway, um, then, uh, I mean, they went from that, which I was interested in to some swimming pool cover talk, which I don't know. Um, I guess they're expensive. You you um, can't you can't begrudge it too much because if not for Luke and Andrew talking about swimming pool covers, we would never have known about the great black swimming pool covers of an earlier generation. <laughs> oh, boom! You got me. You got me with that one. What? Uh, every time he starts talking about this pool, um, I just I just think, why do you have a pool? You were you were basically in Canada. And no one in Canada should have a pool. It's just not worth it. it. I know it's a great idea when you're looking at houses. You're like, oh, man, wish I had a pool. I want, I want this one with the pool. Don't do it. Plenty of Canadians have water in their backyards, but they freeze it and play hockey. <laughs> right. right, right. And But the problem with, with Bellingham is you're in, a, you're in a part of Canada that never gets cold enough. So you can't even do that. <sighs> well, uh Filling it in would be a big decision all at once, whereas a series of small inconveniences and financial worries is less intimidating. <laughs> so I understand, you know, you buy the house, it has the pool. Uh, in the front yard, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Front yard pool. <laughs> I just, I mean, now insurance is coming into play. It's like you're having some some party and people are just walking right into the pool. Sam wants a pool, and I keep trying to explain to her that... The plot that we live on is a corner lot in a fairly tight neighborhood, and our biggest section of yard is really mostly a a side yard. It's down the less busy of the two streets, but we had a fence installed, uh, but it's really a decorative fence. We have a double-wide driveway. It's Mm -hmm. too wide for a gate, and so the yard is not technically enclosed. And I keep trying to explain to her, there's no way we can have a pool without a fence that encloses the yard. It's got to be an insurance and legal thing. Mm-hmm. Like, especially that visible to the street. Like, it's just too easy for somebody to end up in your pool. Oh, uh, yeah. As a as a uh, someone in a homeowners association in a place with a pool, uh, kids break into the pool mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> and and if you, if you have a fence that can be easily jumped or just walked right through, uh, right. that's a problem. 
All right. So Luke has a crazy, crazy schedule looming. You know, he complains about his schedule sometimes, but when he was describing this schedule, this is a bear yeah. of what's coming up. And he's, he's uh, what really stuck out, and I see it in your, your notes, Bobby, is Luke going to Puerto Rico. This doesn't sound like it's going to work out for him, the way he keeps his paperwork and his <laughs> his his organizational skills. Like, do you, even do though you you're suppose- not technically leaving the country, it's it's there's some complication to it. Yeah. Do you need your passport to go to Puerto Rico? I mean, I'm pretty Does sure he his- have the passport back. <laughs> I did. They ever end up sending it back to him? Because last we knew, it was still behind a dresser in Chautauqua, New York. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's somewhere sitting with his hot topic uh, hair hair uh, powder. <laughs> Behind a hotel desk, <laughs> which we'll get into later. I guess. Yeah, I, say, I don't think it's hot topic. I think that's the place Sorry. where you get when you want to turn your hair different colors. Sorry, I don't. I'm not up on on the latest uh, mall fashions. It's um, right near the uh, the airbrush T-shirt stand. Yeah. So, I mean, did did this did this schedule sound to you guys like one of the craziest schedules that he's faced, even in a recent in his recent crazy times? Yeah, it just sounds like it's getting busier all the time. It sounds like there's a disaster in the making. He always cuts all yeah. this stuff too close. I mean, he's got this right. schedule that will work out if everything goes perfectly. But it's Luke. It's not going to go perfectly. <laughs> also, um, what hula hoop competition is CBS Sunday Morning <laughs> sending him to cover in Puerto Rico? <laughs> no, no, I'm sure I'm sure it's the international cup stacking. Uh, championships or the Pan Pan American the Western Hemisphere I just can't think of something important enough that you want to send a correspondent to Puerto Rico but not important enough that you're going to send Luke no offense to Luke but he's just not that high on there like is Lee Cowan going on vacation I guess that's my it it just seems like he's the the, he's underarmed for this kind of project he he seems to be the uh, Americana guy now Right, you know, mm-hmm. like your your uh, Mark Twain, you know, go out to the jumping frog competition and report on it, type guy. And so, yeah, I'll bet whatever's going on in Puerto Rico is going to be pretty amusing, at least for us. Um, Andrew, uh, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> I'm having a real problem here. Andrew's you problem persists. He, he still, <laughs> after like four or five days, he still hasn't come up with a proper solution. Um, I mean, this. I'm glad this isn't my problem because it would have probably taken me a little while to figure out too. But I think after about four or five days, I might have had a workaround, but he doesn't seem to have one. Anyone but Luke could have had a new keyboard on Amazon Prime the next day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if the thing shot, it shot because I've had computers where the keyboard starts locking up and that's kind of it, really, usually, you know, for for your laptop. But, I mean, there are solutions, but... And the keyboard is kind of an important part of his job. I mean, it's, it's not like he's working construction. He kind of needs yeah, a lot it. Of communication, constriction. <laughs> he's not working constriction. And now, and now he can't even say "use" anymore. He's trying to avoid <laughs> saying "use," but which I can understand because you've got to get inside your head and your, you know, your communication. You're trying to figure out how not to use the use the use. You know, we did I mean? get into this last week, though. Just put a U on your clipboard. And control V every time you need a U. I mean, there are, there are some basic workarounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, they make a Phantom Loom reference, and I don't even remember what what it was. But I, now I'm listening for Phantom Loom references. Now that I've ex- I've experienced 
the, the phantom limb phenomenon, which is real and very freaky. <laughs> um, Luke tells a uh, story of improving a toothpick in an Uber car, uh, which would be the um, what? Do, what do you call it? That not the, the I guess the not the back of the earring because the back is not the the stabby the part of the earring. It's the post, post, right? Good job. I'm glad we have women on this show. The post. He uses the post of Carrie's earring to get some uh, pepper out of his teeth, and this seems to gross Andrew out a little bit. He doesn't get quite get a mayonnaise cough going, but he's a little bit grossed out, I can tell. Uh, yeah, I, I think I understand why. <laughs> now I'm starting to wonder, is this why I'm single? Because I'm not willing to fish around in my partner's mouth? Uh, well, he didn't make her do it, I don't think, did he? Well, the conversation was that... that- partners would yeah that's true yeah because he yeah luke was saying yeah she would i think emily would but she's more into skin stuff you know what i mean like really gross (laughs) skin stuff (laughs) i think i think sam would say i'll drive you to a cvs you get what you need yeah i think that's probably the prevailing (laughs) thing i mean i think i think i i have a rare flower and emily who really likes to take care of gross (laughs) skin stuff and she's really disappointed because she's had she's her previous uh boyfriends have had a lot worse problems with their skin than me and she repeatedly tells me how disappointed she is with my lack of gross skin problems if you loved her you would go out and get a burn (laughs) if i loved her i would i would just smear grease all over my (laughs) my body and get just zits everywhere to be taken care of but no i don't love her enough for that actually that is a good point sam does like to pop things and peel skin but i think teeth would be a step too far yeah Um, teeth i don't know yeah Um, and you're not missing out on much with that don't worry about it okay good um all right at this point uh andrew plays tom tangy's hair song um so i think that's why we get the switch to wrap it up for the donor song because um uh, Luke is, he doesn't, he really hates the hair song and then kind of wants to get back at Andrew for allowing it to happen. I think that's kind of how this worked. Uh, Luke's quote when he first hears the song from hair is, uh, let me make sure I get this right. Quote, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and he's a, he's a musical guy. So yeah. Yeah. God, what a horrible song. I'm sorry, Jack Taylor. I love you to death. And and I'm sure Hair is a great musical to see in person, but m- musical um, numbers taken out of context, um, painful to listen to, at least for me. Um, our top story, Ken Bone and the debate. This is really Ken Bone week because Sunday night, Ken Bone appeared in his red sweater and uh, everyone just went nuts all week. I think right after... Uh, might have been, might have been the next day, but um, Christy was looking for the the one of those red sweaters so that Jeremy could be Ken Bone for Halloween. Yeah, I, as I posted, sadly, I believe I already own that entire costume. I've never worn it all at once before, but I uh, definitely own every piece of that. Well, to me, it's a great Halloween costume because it's simple and. Also, he can just shave his beard, leave the mustache, put on a little pair of glasses. And also, you have like three or four weeks where you can just eat furiously. You, know? <laughs> you have license to put on like 20, 30 pounds. I mean, that's that's the best part of that costume is just get to eating. Um, 
Though, yes. oh, I had uh, I had the same reaction as Luke when they said, "Oh, we have a question from Ken Bone." I'm like, the 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 basketball coach from Seattle Pacific and Washington State is at the debate, ready to ask a question, and then they went to this guy, and I'm like, "Oh, that's not the Ken Ken Bone I know." Even though uh, SPU and Wazoo both are red, bright red colors, so he he at least was consistent with that. But but he he just didn't look enough like Ken Bone to my Ken Bone to where I was thinking, boy, Ken Bone's really let himself go. <laughs> uh, but uh, Ken Bone got a lot of love on Twitter because of this. <laughs> I know. I know. Poor guy. He's He is like not that kind of guy. He's like a real uh, straight-laced uh, basketball coach. He's not, you know, into any BS or a lot of um, a lot of chatter and just the I just imagine his phone going crazy on yeah. Sunday night and it, what the it fuck? amused me. <laughs> it's as if the a song from Hair was just coming out of his phone out of nowhere. Because um, the real the not the real but the debate Cambone did not have a Twitter account. Right. He, he he had to make one that night. Some friend of his said you need to make a Twitter account, and then it became a a big deal uh, all week. Uh Strong bad. Okay, this is where I have to uh, take a moment to say I was right. Strong bad. Um, they said he sounds like Tongass, I guess, which is the name of the thing from the AMPM commercials, which I uh, correctly guessed was a big buy in the Seattle Mariners baseball package because there was just no way that <laughs> that or the rest of us could have no idea who these people were, and then those guys had seen. Tongass seven million times. So I was right. So another victory for me in this in, in a week of great victories. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, Tungus. Tum, it's yeah, spelled. No. I just tried to look it up for the first time. It's spelled T O O M G I S. Tungus trademarked. Um, <laughs> of course. This is the first I've ever seen. Was because of this. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch the commercials because they sound fun. But um, but I just hadn't had a chance to do it yet. They get an email from uh, Gareth, who calls himself the music doctor from Michigan, and he's sharpshooting the Jack Hit article, which they had uh, been referencing and enjoying last week. Um, I, I guess, I mean, sharpshooting the guys is one thing, sharpshooting the article, I don't know. They read it, so obviously they, they cared about it, but um, if something I read from an article is wrong, I don't know. <laughs> that was It was like a once-removed sharpshoot, so... He just Wasn't wants that. to set the record straight on t- tritones, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, for you music people, it was probably more interesting than, than those of us that don't care. I appreciated the passion. Um, as I wrote to Anne last week, because I wasn't on the recap, the minute they started talking about tritones, I think I just said, Anne, you need to handle this. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, and I, I knew it was going to take a certain person to talk about it. And I actually pretty much avoided talking about it because I thought, who was going to be interested in this except for me and Bobby? <laughs> right. It's, when, uh, it's like when we start talking about fantasy football. It's like, eh, yeah. maybe, we yeah. should, maybe we should stop. Uh, the other email um, they get is from a, um, a single mom who um, credits Luke for helping her get her mattress off the ground because I guess, you know, things weren't going well after the divorce. And, and it's, it's real depressing um, the, the, the closer you're sleeping to the floor, I think the more depressing it is for you. But, um, I have a question for you, for y'all. Um, people now who are divorced, um, now do we just call ourselves single moms and single dads? 
because it's you're not really i mean uh, it used to be if your partner had expired if your partner right. were dead if they were not were in the picture mom. yeah right right exactly like, like right. if they had disappeared or whatever not just like a a divorce where you're like sharing custody but now people that are divorced and sharing custody have taken to calling themselves single and i'm all right with it but is it was it just me that's noticing this i hadn't thought about it uh, having been raised by a single mother, and that meaning that I did not have a father anywhere in the picture, mm-hmm. it does seem a little weird to me to say she would be a single mother if, say, I was a, a joint custody situation, because mm-hmm. that would be like being a half-time single mother, which sounds worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know what the what the... I don't know that there's a good label for for someone who's in that situation at that point. Right, because yeah, you, you want to... Think- divorced is, you know, like... People don't like that. So yeah. they're seeking another label, but that's not the right label. I think you're they're putting two things together that don't necessarily go together. Being single and being a parent aren't necessarily linked like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I, know. It's a good you know, point. It, yeah. Call yourself, call yourself whatever you want, but we need – I think we've talked about other things that need better terms on this show before. And I, I'll add this one to the list because – uh yeah, single. When you say single mom, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, your husband died, or he, or or you got knocked up, and the guy took off, or whatever. That, I'm sorry, but fact is, you know, you're divorced, and he gets the kids every other weekend or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's divorced. I uh, I want to draw back to the main point of this email, though, mm-hmm. which is uh, Luke's point, and I think a good point about getting your bed off the ground, just in general, because. Um, when I was uh, living in an apartment, well, I've mentioned this before, but the summer I lived in the attic of a frat house, I slept on a mattress on the floor in the attic semi-finished room. And as far as um, lifestyle is concerned, that was the low point of my existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Sam actually asked me about this recently. Yes, I had a girlfriend during that time, and no, I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> you overcame. You, you, it's all overcoming the mattress on the floor. It's, it's never helping. The mattress on the floor is never helping you. Right. Well, and just the uh, insane heat of being in that sure. bedroom of a house in Buffalo sure. in the summer. But um, the first thing I did when I got my first own apartment off campus was bought a bed that came with a frame and it didn't mm-hmm. have a headboard or anything like that for the first year, but at least it was elevated box yeah. springs and the metal frame off the ground. Literally I bought it the day I moved into the apartment and had it delivered. Um, just so I, I wouldn't be that guy who had an empty apartment with a mattress on the floor. I never wanted to be that guy again. Yeah. Um, and I've never looked back. I've, I've never had that situation again. Well, we have, uh, in, in our, um, Big chat, we have uh, ladies who date, and one of the ladies who's dating through uh, – she has an OkCupid account. She showed us a picture of a guy who was approaching her for a date, and he was sitting on his mattress, which was on the floor of his home. And, and it's just like, okay, that is that is a red flag. That's not even a salmon-colored flag. This guy's bed is still on the ground, so maybe maybe that's a pass. Not only was he sitting on the – Bed. He was sort of reclining on the. He had bed, his pajamas on, on. Didn't he have his pajamas on? <laughs> well, as if to say, you know, plenty He's of room ready. here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Let's not waste time down at Starbucks. Just get over here and get on the ground <laughs> on this mattress. Oh uh, boy. Um, 
interesting story about um, the Aladdin Theater in Portland where uh, Luke uh, was doing his show and John Moe was doing his show and Luke was having a lot of uh, anxiety because it's uh, at the time it looked like John Moe was like going to be the next big public radio star. It didn't turn out that way. Um, uh, Luke is, is uh, uh, John Moe's show got canceled and Luke's show got picked up on more stations. So things are looking brighter for Luke now, but at the time Luke was feeling sort of insecure about it. And someone had written some graffiti in the bathroom saying, I think they said, I love Luke Burbank or Luke Burbank's mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it flashed up on the screen behind John Moe while they were doing their show or prepping for their show. And it made Luke feel really good. And Phyllis has denied, despite being there and being with Luke, she denied writing the graffiti. She did point it out to him that it was on the screen, though, I think, which made her feel good. Because she was, she was uh, really trying to pump Luke up that weekend because Luke was feeling really insecure. And, and I think uh, not only did she do a good job of that, but I, I credit Phyllis for the rise of uh, Livewire and the demise of Wits. So. I would, too. Yeah, well, that that uh, crowbar to John Moe's knee really. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for that, so that was that was all me. Um, let's see, uh, TBTL extra pointless. The only um, the Seahawks didn't play. Um, the only uh, notable thing here was um, Luke was playing Genevieve in fantasy football, and they mentioned that uh, Luke needed Greg Olson not to be spectacular on Monday night. That that was the only the only thing Luke needed to beat Genevieve, and in fact, I, I watched that Monday night game because I can watch ESPN on my computer, and uh, it was one of the worst football games I've ever seen, and filled with some of the worst performances from football pro football players I've ever seen. But Greg Olson was not among them. He played one of the greatest football games in the history of time and stomped <laughs> Luke uh, right into the carpet. So. Um, Genevieve, I think, is like five and one now, four and one in the league. So she's uh, she's she's the rabbit, and we're chasing her. Genevieve is four and one. She is currently third in the league. This is a fourteen-team league. Luke can't be too upset because he's in tenth, and I'm in thirteenth. I'm one and four. Um, <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle, like five or six. But uh, I'm gonna get her. Uh, yeah, I, I swear. <laughs> I made the mistake of streaming and uh, not streaming. Well, yeah, I handcuffed Derek Anderson because I needed a quarterback, and my oh, he backup was terrible. Was was Drew uh, uh, Stafford, who uh, has been so bad um, lately? Uh, excuse me, Matthew Stafford, who's been so bad. Drew Stafford's a hockey player nobody cares about. Uh, uh, Matthew Stafford's been so bad that I was afraid to trust him. And turn off, he turned in a perfectly fine performance last week. <laughs> And and Derek Anderson, who was po- yeah, who was poised to do something, do good things, was so awful. I just assumed that the the Panthers were so ready for a change, like to to revitalize them, that that he would come out and have a real mm-hmm. Frank Reich moment. But instead, he just um, he, he, he was awful in, bed. in every way except for throwing to Greg Olson for huge yards and yeah. touchdowns. <laughs> but enough enough about fantasy football. I'm going to take enough to, to yeah. Tuesday. Sure. 2216. I, I only said that because I know uh, uh, you may not have noticed, but Anne is still on the line. Yeah, she's I'm there. I, I, hear, I hear her breathing. <clears throat> I'm waiting patiently I, for we, a we need to take her vitals. Tuesday, 2226. Yes, Larson. Uh, the Bay Kitty is outside playing Army. Um, 
shimmying through the bushes and pouncing and attacking and um, has, it sounds like officially become more an outdoor cat than ever. Yeah. Seems like it's working out. Yeah. So far, so good. Uh, I, I, we, we have indoor cat. Uh, I prefer having an indoor cat, but uh, if it's working out for her, I guess that's good. Um, Luke has an, it's pronounced Gina drop. (laughs) That was pretty good. That he obsessively engineered so that he could get it clear of applause. And uh, it it's glimmers of moments like this that makes me wonder if he had put that much effort into engineering TBTL more often, what mm. it could sound like. You know, uh, when I was watching the debate on Sunday night, um, it, it was like, I, I wasn't listening for it. But when he finally said, Gina, <laughs> I, <just laughs> I was like, Gina, number one. And then he said it again, Gina, number two. I can't hear anything else now than when he says it, Gina. Uh, this is one of those things where I never, ever noticed it until Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. right. pointed it out. And how did we not notice it no, now, exactly. looking back? Um, and I forgot to get it into my notes, but I see you noted the Cleveland desk. Yes, Andrew is the associate to the producer on the <laughs> Cleveland desk because he's very upset about how uh, the sports media is treating Cleveland's baseball successes. Right, because he doesn't give a crap about the Indians, but suddenly he cares about the Indians. He's right. not a bandwagon fan. He's just a fan who jumped onto their wagon uh, late. <laughs> Once they started to be successful. He is, yeah, right. he is the very textbook definition of the bandwagon <laughs> fan. Uh, they, uh, they swept uh, my Red Sox, who clearly did not deserve to win. And that's fine. I think the rest of the world's all rooting for the Cubs now, right? So, mm-hmm. sure. Here's hoping. Yeah. I don't care who they end up playing. So if the Indians want to keep going, that's fine. I think this, at this point, the Indians are up 2-0. And I kind of felt, Andrew, on the, you know, being mad about the Boston storyline. And wh- what it comes down to for me is um, in 1993, the Sonics had one of their best teams with Sean Kemp and Gary Payton and um, they had the misfortune of going up in the Western Conference Finals against the um, Phoenix Suns who had Charles Barkley and um, the league very clearly wanted Charles Barkley and the Suns to play Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the finals and what this led to was a, a superior Sonics team to the Suns they were, they were a better team but um, the ga- they got to a game seven and I think the Suns are still shooting free throws from that game. I think every Sonic fouled out, <laughs> and I think the Suns are still shooting free throws, and they put um, Charles Barkley in the finals where he got his ass kicked by Michael Jordan, where the Sonics, I think, would have had a fighting chance. So that's my piece. on. I have a lot of Sonic axes to grind. <laughs> I will pull them out and grind them as necessary <laughs> but uh but when but it just i remember watching those games i was a fugitive at the time and i i would you know go to tijuana and place wagers also on the sonics uh and then come back in my in my apartment and watch uh the games and listen to the announcers talk about uh, how great charles barkley was when he was just backing his fat ass down and um just rebounding his own shots and just you know, doing Charles Barkley things when my team was spectacular and nobody would talk about them. That's all I'm going to say. I'm sorry. I took up too much time on sports. And that's your take on the Indians playoffs. <laughs> yes, that's my Indians playoffs takes. Take. Uh, 
we get a montage of drops over a Randy Newman song. Um, uh, leading up to this, um, there was some corned beef talk uh, on Monday late in the No Point Conversion that I'm sure most people didn't hear. Uh, but the point is, uh, everybody wants corned beef. And so Luke goes and gets corned beef to make, but never actually cooked it. So he's going to make his on the air from Burbank Studios on Tuesday's show. Uh, I just, I want to talk to Luke about his time management skills. <laughs> because if he had just taken the 15 minutes before the show started to get the crock pot going, then this wouldn't have had to happen at all. We hear you, and I just want to <laughs> remind you. She sounds as when- angry about it as I, as I still am about the 1993 <laughs> Sonic Sons series. So um, we're in Burbank Kitchens, uh, and Andrew is kit to Luke's Knight Rider in that he's Googling how to do all of this, though I'm not sure Luke is poised to listen because he has decided to, I guess, sear <laughs> his corned beef. Starting by pouring water on the heating element of the uh, crock pot. Wanting to pour water in the heating element of the crock pot, uh, and then... Uh, effectively told not to. This isn't a sauna, you know, where you pour water on the on the hot rocks, dude. That's not how you do it. But I think it's so I guess. Well, this shows how often he actually uses the crock pot, right? Mm-hmm. If he's forty mm-hmm. years old and thinks he needs to pour the water in between the the pot and the liner deal, he thinks it's like a, a chafing dish, like a double boiler. Right. Like I get why he. Th- thinks that that could be something you'd need to do. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but, right, um, nobody died, so that's comforting. <laughs> my, my my biggest takeaway here, I, I, I have so many notes on this, I couldn't fit them on the sheet, but um, when they're talking about the crock pot and they're talking about the timing of it and whether to set it on low and how many hours or whatever, and, and Andrew has already said that he has like, gotten rid of his crock pot, so he's just not a crock pot guy. So, um, they're talking about it's four hours on high or six hours on medium or something like that. And Andrew goes, that's a long time, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking crock pot. It's, that's the point. It's a long time. It does make me want to go get a corned beef now. Yeah. Uh, Luke chooses to sear. Uh, I'm using that very loosely in mm-hmm. olive oil instead of sesame oil to the... Uh, relief of tens of listeners (laughs) who made their voices known on the Stens page this week. And you know, because every time they would hear it, they would get so mad that they would not look for a thread on this. They would just post, not the the sesame oil on the Stens page. Um, Far too much of it with no splatter guard, uh, leaving Uh to a nice thin film of olive oil, probably covering his entire kitchen now. Rudy! Uh, and then he uh, he sears it off, and then it gets into the crockpot. More on that later, because uh, then there's time. But while he's cooking, we hear about credit checks in China, which are so rare that they have to use unconventional means to do them, including coming to your home and counting your toothbrushes to see how many people live there. Seems that a toothbrush would be a lot easier to hide than a person to me. So True. L- fewer toothbrushes is better? I. I don't know. I guess it depends on your situation, but mm-hmm. uh, that's one way of gauging how many people live in your house. Mm. Oral hygiene <laughs> means you're a better credit risk. Yeah. Um, the real important part here is that uh, Luke is uh, very much in his feelings about his credit history 
and his $500 credit limit credit card and feels that uh, uh, he should be cut more slack because even though he's blown off most small payments in his life, um, he's always made his car and mortgage payments. And, and therefore, you know, he's proved that when it matters, it shows. And we were having a conversation about this in uh, the LRB chat or the group chat at some point this week. And I just said to Phyllis, um, who brought it up, um, right, but he's not trying to get a credit app extension for another house. He's trying to get a credit card with small payments he's not going to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's being denied for credit for exactly the kind of payments he's proven he can't make in the past. I'm not saying it's it's good or bad. I'm just saying like it kind of makes sense. Well, I I think he's he's right in principle. If if every time your credit was checked, it was checked by some by a person who was sitting behind a desk who was looking at your entire history and could look you in the eyes or talk to you, then he would always get the credit. But that's not how it works, and it can never work that way because there's not enough hours in the day for people to do that. So it's a snapshot, and the snapshot sucks because you do all these little little bad things, yep. you know. And it's forgetfulness. Like I totally mm-hmm. get how you can miss um, the utility payments or or ADT being the Hotel California of home security systems. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the problem is also with a car payment or a mortgage payment, you can usually coast for a couple of payments before they'll report you. So you get a little more time yeah. to, to clean those things up. They've got so much invested in you at that point that um, at least for the first 90 days, they'd be happy to not see you fail. Well, because if you, if, if you can imagine, is expensive. if you can imagine how many uh, medical bills we've gotten um, over the past, you know, year, 13, 14 months, um, I mean, and we we try to stay on top of it. We, we're really diligent about staying on top of it. Uh, but we we got all of the stuff out, you know, that I've been receiving over the last few months. We got all of it out on the table this week. And there was one slip in there that said final notice and blah, blah, blah. And it was like $35. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they were, they were about to fuck with my credit over this $35, even though, you know, through all of this... Uh, all of you know, all the house payments, all the car payments, everything has been made on time. But this is this, you have to be diligent. And if Luke is anything but that, so he's always going to have shit credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, he's really Luke off. Thinks- he's offloading the blame onto yeah. someone else, and there are always unfortunate things that happens. But it's also called being an adult and being on top of your business and not blowing off your parking tickets for 5 years. <laughs> yeah. Parking tickets suck. That's a good point. You still have to pay them. Oh, well, and, and pay them right away because because if not only will they fuck with you, but if if you keep seeing that parking ticket, it'll just piss you off anew. You know, mm-hmm. whereas if it's like a $200 speeding ticket or a $70 parking ticket and you paid it, it pissed you off one time and then it'll, it fades. But but if it, if you keep getting notices, you're freshly pissed every time. So it's it's a mental it's it help, would help your mental state to pay those things quickly. Yeah. Uh, also, I just wanted to say it before we wrap up this episode of Entitled Etiquette. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> Luke thinks he got Wells Fargoed, right? Uh, but as he explains it, really, he just signed up for something and then didn't take care of it. <laughs> right. He got a free subscription to the Seattle Times for a year and uh, some credit card went to some old address and it just didn't work out for him. 
<laughs> All right. Can uh, I ask one more question about credit stuff? Yeah. What's the deal with Andrew's credit? Because we heard a lot about Luke's credit, and Andrew is very sympathetic, and he told a story about he just got that surprise raise in his credit limit to $5,000, and he was so pleased about that. I totally understand why Luke's credit is bad, but I don't know what Andrew's deal is, that he would still be in such poor shape. I mean, he's owned a home for like 15 years, right? Right. It's insane. And there has to be a story behind it, some big thing behind it, because... I am an ex-con, and I have like $68,000 in credit on various credit cards. Thank God it's not all charged up, but it's not hard. They throw it at you. If you make your payments and take care of your business, they they throw – if you pay your shit on time and, and and you charge things and then pay, charge things and then pay, man, do they give you credit. Mm Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't get it, Ann. I was baffled, too. I would only say we don't know what their situation is. So that house, I think they bought it together. Uh could be in Genevieve's name. Um, and I say that because our house is in Sam's name, or at least it was when we first bought it, because she had a better credit score than me. And we just figured, well, let's just do it this way because it makes the paperwork a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll just move it into both our names later. Or who really cares? Because... You know, God forbid something happens, I'm going to end up with the house anyway, or she's going to end up with the house anyway. But, you know, just for the sake of convenience, we just rolled with it that way because it got us the best interest rate. And so, um, you know, he may not have that 15 years of paying off that mortgage to his benefit. Uh, But, yeah, I'm always amazed when we get notices being like, oh, we just felt like doubling your credit limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. they're trying to set you up for failure. I get it. Yeah, they do. They they want you to charge it up and 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 have to pay all the interest. But right. but it the fact is it happens. They just give you their credit. Yeah. Uh, entitled Etiquette, Planet Money, on to Farside Comics. Um, I don't have a lot to add here because as I find Farside's great. I never had a favorite. I was never that attached to them. I was mm-hmm. the kid who owned Dilbert comic books. Uh, collections as a kid, not far. Is this a gang situation? Do you have to choose a side on the, the <laughs> Dilbert far side? Well, I'm definitely politically aligned with far side, but uh, since we just learned that Scott Adams oh, is right. a tool right. a couple of weeks ago, but um, yeah, I just don't know. It's it's just sort of a blank spot in my experience. Do you guys have a far side favorite? I yeah. wouldn't say that. I mean, I like far side as much as anybody, but uh, the one that comes to mind is the one that um, has a picture of the dinosaurs smoking cigarettes, and it says, the real reason dinosaurs went extinct. I like that one. <laughs> right, right. I I love all of them. Um, the one Lauren posted, I don't know. I love that one. Jeez. Uh, I don't know. I was a Far Side fan, but I don't think I ever had any memorabilia or a calendar or anything like that. But I would, I would uh, when I had the newspaper, I would always look at it. And finally, we get an email on pronouncing... The controversially, uh, at least for pronunciation, last name N-Y-U-G-E-N, which I always learned as Nguyen, which is uh-huh. clunky. Nguyen. Uh, and I will say I've heard so many pronunciations of this last name that that I'm not sure that there is a consensus to be had here. Um, I'm wondering, after all the talk about it, is it racist to be bored by all the talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> to not give a... F- like- after you know, because everyone everyone with that name seems to pronounce it differently. So why are we worried about it? Just pronounce it the way that person pronounces it. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and would you blissfully uh, finally uh, take us out of our Tuesday misery and take us to Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, let's go to Wednesday. 2227, you're on Candid Podcast. And that title comes because Andrew pretends at the beginning of the show, or he talks about pretending that he had technical difficulties and not coming on the line when Luke introduced him, which leads them into reminiscences about Candid Camera. And... um Luke wants to share, it is Luke, I think, right, who talks about how articulate people in the past were, as in we've lost something now that they had back, quote-unquote, in the day. And uh, my thought was that back in the, whenever it was, 50s, 60s, uh, we had unequal access to technology to call into radio shows, because I think they were talking about as far back as candid radio. And uh, so maybe the people with... um Poor articulation and vocabulary were not calling in to Candid yeah. Radio, and that's why we have this uh, portrait of people being so much smarter and more articulate. I agree. There were always dummies out there. Now we yep. just hear from them. And now we just got to get them coffee mugs. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm working on it. Get my Sharpie. Yep. And with the explosion of all forms of media, there's just so many more people talking in so many more ways. That, um, yeah, you can't hide from the dummies. <laughs> you can't. They're out there. And and Luke talks a little bit about Studs Turkle. He's such a Studs Turkle fan and about the, the interestingness and the, again, articulation of the people that he interviewed. And uh, my response to that is that it's probably not a statistically random sample of people that he was right. talking to. So yeah, He uh, probably talked to a lot of people and he didn't play the dummies. Right. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Little, the dumb, boring people did not make it to the radio. It's like, ah, oh, this is not a good hour. This guy was a dummy. So That yeah. would require a certain amount of production value, which might be why right. the guys are baffled. Yeah, <laughs> they're, not, they're not into that. Um, I just had to look up um, Studs Turkle was born uh, Louis or Louis Turkle. So I just wondered if someone actually named their kid Studs, and that didn't happen. <laughs> it's not too late. How Studs happened, but... Not, not his know, government. That, that sounds like something that could come into fashion. Studs. <laughs> sounds like a show on Spike TV. Yes, it does. Uh, so in the midst of this discussion, uh, Carrie sends Luke a text. She's at some grocery store or something. And in the Halloween decor section, there's an animatron- animatronic <laughs> zombie sitting on the toilet reading what turns out to be the deadly dispatch. And Andrew is just way too focused on this fake newspaper. And it's doing uh, fart noises to the Adams Family theme song. And they use this as an example of lowered public discourse because that would never happen back in the 40s or the 50s or whenever. Uh, they and didn't have they, the technology to to lower right. the discourse this far. They may have wanted to lower it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they want to know if um, using the fart noises negates any possible music copyrights with <laughs> whoever owns the copyrights to the Adams Family song. Because they're using the brown note instead of the, the note that belongs <laughs> right. in the song. <laughs> this takes me back to a favorite TBTL moment of mine, which is in one of the many conversations through the years about TV theme songs, Luke spent like $30 on a pack of TV theme song songs on iTunes and started playing them 
and realized that they were all <laughs> these knockoff songs where a couple of notes have been changed so they didn't have yeah. to pay for the rights to them. It's so disappointing every time. You're like, oh, <laughs> man. I can't sing to this. <laughs> um, Andrew tells a story about being in a store with Genevieve and seeing her in just a little private moment talking to one of the Halloween decorations <laughs> and how much he likes seeing her in her in her own zone, kind of divorced from mm-hmm. from whatever public face she puts on. I think and they and Luke talks about uh, the problem of trying to keep the mystery and excitement in a relationship <laughs> can even come down to like a person responding just slightly differently than you thought they were going to. Right, like like me uh, putting uh, cran grape on the grocery list this time instead of the cran apple. <laughs> it's like, ooh, whoa. <laughs> Moving on to the sponsors of the day, it's very cute because our friend Amy Wolunski, Amy Wu, who's been the coordinator of the TV telethons, is revealed as a donor today, and they've given her the new nickname of Mugsy, which I think is pretty adorable. And they're pretty excited that people that they actually know and work with, like Amy Wu and like David Burbank, actually donate to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, keeping on with uh, the business of TBTL, it turns out that APM is sort of restructuring or refining their download measurement system. And it turns out that TBTL does not get as many downloads as Luke would have expected. And he's kind of bummed about that. And I think nervous yeah. that um, it's not, it's even less of a juggernaut than he thought back in the old days. <laughs> but when he thought they does, were getting f- 15 million downloads a month. Right, right. But he says that's even more impressive than how dedicated all the tens are to the show and to interacting with the show and donating with the show, which is true. I think that's well, uh, wonderful. Let me let me ask uh, particularly Bobby this question. We've we've been with a company called Libsyn for quite a while now, and I feel like we get super accurate um, download information based on our interactions with the listeners. I think our numbers are pretty spot on accurate now why doesn't apm or why wouldn't apm and gimlet and all these people why wouldn't they have technology that would give them super accurate numbers like we get do they just not use the like uh is is lips in a boutique service or what why, why are they just now getting accurate numbers i'm not sure if, uh, we should probably let jeremy have a microphone if we really want to have no, this conversation no. i don't i don't care that much <laughs> Um, my guess is that they're using bigger services and also that they're dealing with more distortion in volume. So like if we get an occasional double count because somebody mm-hmm. started streaming and then downloaded with their device or something like that, um, in scale, that's not such a big deal with 800 or a thousand downloads. But when you're talking about tens of thousands of downloads, you, the, the gap between the true number and any kind of, uh, variation being added in from, from doubles and things, that mm-hmm. gap could grow a lot faster. I, uh, but this is interesting. But, do, industry- but don't you agree, Bobby? Don't you agree that that um, that we get pretty accurate numbers? I, I think so. They seem right to me based on where we see the audience and how much we know about them and the distribution mm-hmm. of where those downloads are. Yeah, um, yeah. We have a producer who's better qualified to answer this than me. We have a statistician. <laughs> <laughs> 
but my I got gut- locked out of I got locked out of it a long time ago, so I haven't looked at the numbers in a long time. But <laughs> but uh, but when they're, whenever they're talking about this stuff, I'm like, this shit shouldn't be so hard. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to keep in mind that however they're doing it, it's affecting you know all the shows across the board. So it's not like. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, TBTL's numbers drop and everybody else's numbers are doing great. Really, it's just that everybody else's numbers yeah. look like shit next to In the Dark. Mm-hmm. Right, because everybody starts listening to one show and that's it. Right. right. And, well, Luke does make the point that uh, APM is the, quote-unquote, most Lutheran of organizations in that right. they are uh, determined to get the most accurate possible numbers where maybe – other media organizations are not so worried about the fuzziness of their data. So I guess when you're comparing it within the APM family, you can be sure that it's apples to apples on the downloads. But with, if you're comparing it to, I don't know, Max Fun or WTF or any of those other big podcasts, then um, it might be a little harder to know where you stand. Oh, they they may be counting them, but oh, those look like doubles to me. So we're going to just <laughs> knock those right off, eh? And then there's that douchebag Alex Bloomberg and his big New York City podcasting mm-hmm. empire. Firing someone yep. who was producing no podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just given her a little more time. <laughs> yeah, I was, we were just about, I, I was, tomorrow, I was going to make some podcasts. <laughs> uh, and? Yeah, all right. Um, moving on to the first top story, or Luke's personal top story, which he seems to be doing a lot of personal top stories this week. <laughs> right. um, the corned beef turned out great. It was delicious, but he said that it was way too fatty, both mm-hmm. with the, I guess, the fat cap on the top and then marbled through the meat. Um, he should have taken Andrew's advice to roast the cabbage because even though he put it in, very late in the process, it still turned to mush. And he said mm-hmm. next time he may just um, skip all of that and use some sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. And that gets them into some sauerkraut on hot dogs talk and the idea of hot dog uh, purism versus putting all the toppings on there. Mm. Either way. Eat it the way you want to eat it. Hot, dog, hot, hot dogs dog. are all good. If I want to put ketchup on my hot dog, I'm putting ketchup on my hot dog. Go for it. I don't care if that's not in the hot dog Bible. Yep. Yeah. Uh, When I was – well, so I have two schools of thought, and I think they're both perfectly acceptable. One is if you're going to eat something that you eat fairly often or you've eaten before, eat it the way you want to eat it and tell everyone else to fuck off. If you're eating something for the first time or you're in a new city, um, at least the first time, just get it the way – people think you should eat it just so you mm-hmm. know what your baseline is. Yeah. And I think I did this in the twin cities. I got a hot dog at the twins game or a sausage rather. And it was smothered in uh crowd and other things, but that was like the way. And I just said, how do you sell them? How do people like them? What do you want? If it's your first time eating something, eat it the way you're supposed to try it. Just so you know, after that, who cares what you put on a fucking hot dog? It's just a hot dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as for the corned beef talk, Andrew says he loves to eat the fat. Um, the real top story, uh, a Dr. Amanda Horowitz, who runs the Dog Cognition Lab at Columbia, uh, has a why story Why not shorten profiling. that to Dognition? Why, why can't they just shorten that to the Dognition Lab? <laughs> because they're scientists. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a celebrity couple name. You can't just mash it together like that. Save, save money on stationery, signs. Well, I think we just everything. did. <laughs> All right, so Amanda well, Horowitz of the Dognition Lab, yes. continue. She she owns Finnegan, a dog that was profiled in uh, the newspaper, and 
uh, as part of a story about how dogs experience the world through their noses way more than us. <gasps> what? what? I'm shocked. Wait. I learned something. I got to sit down. <laughs> but apparently we're doing dogs a disservice because we place our mores on them and we don't want them to sniff our crotches and other dogs' bungholes as well as many other unsavory things. So um, as a result of us um, keeping our, our pets away from these things, uh, the, these domesticated dogs become much more visually oriented than they should. And Luke says that he needs to let Rudy be Rudy instead of getting frustrated and um, trying to pull her along when she wants to sniff everything in creation because he's focused on... Uh, maxing out his steps on the walk. He thinks that he should just let her take her time and sniff to her heart's content. We try to uh, point out spills and crumbs and things to our little cleanup dog, Abby. And, you know, sometimes she sees it, sometimes she doesn't. But eventually, with her sniffer, she's going to get to it. We just, you know, we we can't be impatient with her, her cleanup abilities in the kitchen uh, sometimes I, I will say that uh, Emily will actually lift Abby up and and point at stuff on the counter for Abby to to lick up. So <laughs> that's that's our cleanup style. Uh, being a cat person, all I can say is that I will drop a treat for a cupcake right in front of her, and sometimes she just won't notice it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll have to really push it to her or put her face in it, and then she'll smell it and be thrilled. Uh, but a dog, she is not right. No dogs. Yeah, yeah. And dogs. Uh, dogs have a great sense of smell. There, there you go. And yep. Luke's got to get um, get her on live wire to yeah, talk about Luke, how dogs have a sense of smell. Yeah, I want to talk about that, but Mike, I need just to. Um, I got. I'm having a, a, an idea for a clip show, so I need to email Jeremy right now <laughs> okay. while we're talking. Okay. Well, I'll vamp for a little while while it's you uh, just... email Jeremy. Just make sure that you t- let him know that he's not going to have any real part on air part of do you uh, want to roll the randy newman song and i'll play the drops or do you want me to roll the randy newman song and you play the drops i just can't believe that he has to send an email right during the show on this you can't write andrew even gave him advice yeah andrew said just just write uh dog dog lady in an email to yourself you know yeah, but he's like draft. booking it. <laughs> he's trying yep. to fucking book it. Right? On the other hand, though, and you were judging Luke's time management. Look at him getting paid twice. True. Who true. are you to judge? True. True. <laughs> that's that's true. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yep. Let Let's get a very brief push update because I know that Mike yeah. loves the the whole push up process. They're both stuck at around fifty five to fifty six push ups. And, um, you know, Phyllis is always telling us that we should be able to brag on ourselves when we do something good because nobody will ever brag for us. And so uh, last week at the gym at my Saturday morning class where we do a whole bunch of push-ups, I counted. And if you include the tricep push-ups, I did 93 push-ups during that class. Oh, so there. Kick their ass. just want to say that. And that's and finally, not in a day. That's in one workout. That's a <laughs> Yes, indeed. Kicking in, ass. Uh, in voicemail for today, how calls to V-explain the pronunciation of Nguyen, and we get the hashtag Nguyening, which I really liked. I thought that was great. Uh, yeah. If we're going to have to talk about it, let's at least use that. Yep. 
And it's not that hard because he doesn't he talk about uh, using happening when and you just yep. drop the rest and you use the the ng and Luke keeps thinking of it as saying ing. No, you're not using the whole syllable, Luke. You're just using the ng. It was frustrating. Mm, I would. Th- I think a lot of people were frustrated. I think maybe, um, like you know how rappers, like before the rap starts, they have to do like ten of. Mm, mm. <laughs> just think of that, and then winning, mm, winning. But just bring it together closer. You know, not like not like Morgan Freeman on the Electric Company. Just jam it a little closer. A lot right. of old people will get that reference. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm really glad we have that that helpful pronunciation hint now. I was just sure. too busy thinking about them asking to to uh, turn the headphones up. Turn it up. Mm. <laughs> mm. Winning. Let's move to Thursday, shall we? <laughs> Twenty-two, twenty-eight, four weddings and a LACer. Is that how I'm supposed to pronounce this? Late four laser? weddings and a lake Laker a lacer. I don't know. They came up with that after the show ended, so I don't know what the correct pronunciation is. But yeah, it's not worth Luke, dwelling. I'm pretty no, sure you Luke, use the ng and then right, mm. right. <laughs> Just a hint of it, though. Mm. Luke is at Walsh Wash and Doormat again because he drove down from Bellingham. He's afraid that because of uh, Stormageddon or whatever we're calling it, <laughs> that the airport might be closed and he didn't want to get stuck there when he has to go do live wire. It's not much of a live wire if he can't get there. And um, so he drove down to Seattle and he's – is he renting a car? No, he, he's taking Carrie's car and driving to Portland. So he made a stop at Walsh, Wash, and Doormat. And the big news is that Bob Dylan has won the Nobel Prize for Literature, to which uh, Luke's response is, his lyrics are shite. And mm, I know well, that that made a lot of people are, happy. Bob Dylan uh, answered that criticism and said, how are your lyrics, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any opinion on Bob Dylan's lyrics because, frankly, his singing voice distracts me so much right, that I right. <laughs> can't actually tell what he's saying. Right. Uh, Mike, where do you land on Dylan? I mean, we've had this conversation before in that so much good music roots back to right, Dylan. Right. But where do you land on Dylan himself? Uh, I'm I'm a fan. Uh, I've always been a fan. I've seen him perform many times. I've owned uh, a lot of his music and uh, but I particularly enjoy his music when played by others much like uh, wrap it up by the fabulous Thunderbirds <laughs> I much prefer the R&B version yeah similarly uh, I think Dylan was seminal and uh, I, I say that like he's dead but uh, a seminal artist uh, speaks for a generation of America uh, and completely deserves this unorthodox choice for a lit uh, Nobel Prize. Um, I posted on a, a long explanation of this on the Stens page on a thread about Dylan. The short version here is that I was working for the Buffalo Philharmonic uh, around the time they recorded a weird song cycle written by a composer named John Crilliano, um who read some Dylan uh, song lyrics and set them to music because he had never actually heard the Bob Dylan music. Now, it's kind of a bullshit story, I think, but um, he claims he had never, ever heard any Dylan music, but he found the lyrics and read it like poetry and thought it was so good he wanted to set it to music. And I thought that was a really nice argument for Dylan's 
lyricism as poetry and literature. Mm -hmm. Um, Overall, I think the biggest disgrace of this whole conversation was Luke using the word shite. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't don't know where that came from. You're not allowed to use that unless you're Irish. Well, I mean, I think he likes to claim his little bit of um, East Coast Irish once in a while, but it's just so awkward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what you're saying then is that you don't agree with Luke that, quote, Bob Dylan is like a game of boggle, unquote. (laughs) Correct. I do not agree. (laughs) That that is a funny way to say someone's lyrics suck, though. I will Mm -hmm. admit that. Yeah, but I mean... um, uh, there are so many better artists for that. Um, Nicki Minaj's lyrics are like a game of boggle because her lyrics really are just random words mashed together because they sound good, mm. which is a big jump from Bob Dylan. Yeah. Like um, a Humpty so Dance they... size jump. From oh, Bob thank Dylan. you very much. I was wondering how I was going to get from Dylan to the Humpty Dance. And uh, Andrew tells a story that really pissed me off about being at his sister's wedding and she had directed the DJ not to play any rap or hip hop. She didn't want it at her, her wedding dance, but Andrew and Veeves thought that this was just ridiculous and they were offended that she wouldn't play any rap or hip hop. So they talked the DJ into playing the Humpty dance because Andrew thought for sure that he knew better and that everyone would love it. And this Ohio crowd did not love it. And Andrew and Genevieve had to dance awkwardly by themselves on the dance floor. And I put in my notes, you asshole, to do that at your sister's wedding. If there's one day in a person's life when they get to have everything the way that they want to have it, it's their wedding day. And how dare you go in and subvert her expressed wishes? I I give him credit for getting up and dancing to it and owning it and trying to get it going because it would have been easy to, you know, like when the thing started and you saw you weren't getting any reaction to just kind of, <laughs> I don't know who did that. <laughs> I'm going to go to the bathroom or out to the car for about 20 minutes. Uh, I have DJed exactly one wedding. And so I know as a fact, what will happen at every wedding is that you will get directions from the bride and groom and then you will get to the wedding and then someone will come up and think they know better and will insist you play something about a hundred times. Uh, and the, uh, the answer to that is you have to do what the people who hired you wanted you to do. Yes. Um, now, when Sam and I hired our band and they brought a DJ along, they told us in the meeting that their DJ, we hired a swing band that also came, I assume, with an old Italian man who had some CDs. And they told me, he, quote, has all the music the kids like. And I just sort of laughed and said, whatever. You know, once we get the dancing done and everybody's cutting loose and has had a few drinks, do whatever you want. Give people whatever they want. Because we understood the, the, the ceremonies for us and the receptions for them. The reception at a wedding is a thank you to the people who came. We're throwing you a party. Thanks for coming. Uh, but if you've got a bride who doesn't want to treat it that way, it's her fucking wedding. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and that DJ should have been fired. I mean, he can't fire a DJ two-thirds of the way through a wedding, I guess, but, like, that DJ should get a bad Yelp review from Andrew, who will then have to go review a good DJ, because, you know, uh, you get directions, you follow them. That's how it works. It's the service industry. Yep. Uh, I think that story does not reflect very well on Andrew. Uh, but we probably can sort of skip over Luke's story about emceeing a wedding where the couple video was mostly the groom's screamo band. 
and go straight into the tangent into Steven Weber's post Wings career. And there's not much to say, except I don't understand why Andrew is so obsessed with this movie, Sleep Easy Hutch Rhymes, which doesn't seem to have had a wide release and doesn't look to be that good. <laughs> but I guess it's the thing that you catch on the on the TV at the hotel room. I guess. I was lost for this. I know. Yeah, I, I don't I, know how they got there. And, I, and, and yeah, I don't get it. I, I just yeah. spent that time daydreaming about going back and watching Wings. <laughs> I liked Wings. That was good, but I was always into um, Tim Daly, not Stephen Weber. I like mm-hmm. the Responsible Brothers. <laughs> of course, he did. Yep. Uh, fun fact: Kelsey Grammer is the only person to win an Oscar for playing the same character on three different shows. Uh, excuse me, an Emmy. He was on Wings. Emmy. He, he was on Wings. He had a cameo on Wings that was uh, an Emmy award-winning cameo as as uh, Fraser Crane. Wow. Damn! Yeah, brand crossover. Just, just a little note because of nice course, job by NBC. Every- they should have given the award to the executive who engineered that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yep. So there you go. So, as mentioned earlier, uh, Luke came down to Seattle last night and he stayed on the boat, which uh, justifies owning the boat apparently. And he talks about his evening going to Hattie's Hat, and then he was at Bitterroot. I couldn't tell if it was the Bitterroot or just Bitterroot. But uh, there were some women, two women there who were making a scene that he referred to as a tornado of drama, including uh, dumping hot sauce on food, thinking that it was ketchup. And they were wearing T-shirts for a band um, called the Loud Ass Crackers or the LACs, which is a hip hop band from Georgia. Uh, hits include I'm a Keep It Redneck. And the thing that they find interesting is that they wrote a theme song for the TV show Mud Lovin' Rednecks on Animal Planet. And I could not care less about this band or the hip hop genre in general. The tornado of drama, um, that intrigued me. So what, uh, what did that consist of? They were just, was it really a tornado um, or was it just tornadic? In some way. He said that they were, for sure they were tweaking, is what he said. And wasn't she talking about her food? I need my food. Where's my food? Oh, well, I got I you. Like drama, like, like um, they were just being dicks. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, hell hath no fury like a hungry meth head. Yeah. I think that was the point. <laughs> a, a finally hungry meth head. It's like day six and they really want a burger. It's catching up to him. It's gotten on top of him suddenly. And <laughs> yeah. God damn, I, I realize I haven't eaten since last Tuesday. Uh, hip-hop is an interesting transition to nerdcore, though. Yes, um, which is the <laughs> other top story for the day. <laughs> um, uh, Alex Trebek just uh, Trebeking it up in his awkward interview skills and um, talking to one of the contestants who referred to herself as a nerdcore hip-hop enthusiast, Trebek said, oh, so you mean losers. And uh, Luke seems to sort of give Trebek props, I don't know, for calling it out or being edgy or whatever, but I just think it's Trebek being a terrible interviewer and an awkward <laughs> person. Right. Yeah, he just... He, he just uh is a douchebag who let his he, he let a, a raw a poor word choice slip and for some reason they didn't edit it out yeah i always thought they should have a sidekick on jeopardy who does who does that sort of work they know? just need an ed mcmahon yeah just someone who, who like just does the light banter with the contestants and then trebek just 
just uh, keeps the trains running. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, he just, you know, it was a poor word choice, but but there's no recreating that awkward magic of an interview, I guess. They couldn't just, uh, I don't know. I've t- uh, uh, people who've been on Jeopardy have talked about this on TBTL, and I've, I know a couple of people who've been on Jeopardy. You submit a, a short list of story options and things you're interested in, and it seems that they always pick the weirdest and most awkward one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I put in the notes, I was really excited when this story came up because I was I watched the video of this woman uh, talking to Alex Trebek, and she looked really familiar to me. And at first I couldn't tell if um, she was just sort of a type because she is definitely a, a type. Um, uh, but then I realized, no, I've actually met her. She, we, she and I volunteered in Boston at a thing. It must be before she moved because they say she lives somewhere else now. Um, but um, I, we have some Facebook connections so that there were linking coming through on my Facebook feed, too. Um, she seemed like a perfectly nice and pleasant person who shouldn't have to take any shit from Alex Trebek. I, I think mm-hmm. what might have happened, too, is uh, the producers – I mean, it's my, completely my speculation. The producers probably sort of caught that, and then you know, on the next break, they're like, let's uh, – Let's redo this interview, you know, because they I'm sure they could see this shitstorm coming. But uh, Alex Trebek seems like the kind of guy who's like, no, I'm good with it. No, that's true. That actually leads into the story that that Luke tells about the CBS producer that he knows who was doing a pre-interview with Trebek. And Trebek was giving him attitude saying, I don't do pre-interviews. And mm-hmm. the producer pulled a power move and said, yeah, you are. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I know guess- that was great. Trebek just, I don't know. Yeah, he seems to be pretty full of himself and um, just an awkward person. Uh, I will say, I'm sure Jeopardy got a ratings bump from all the attention. Like, this probably wasn't (laughs) all bad for Jeopardy. No. Do you think more people will watch the next day because of it? Sure, because she won. Oh, there you go. And people want to see if she's going to... You know how long? I don't know how long she ended up lasting, but all the headlines I saw the next day were where, you know, Trebek calls woman loser, she gets the last laugh by winning 20-something thousand dollars. But maybe the next day during the interview, she could, like, come up with a clever rejoinder, you know, like when you've had time to think about it and then just say, like, you're a loser. Yeah. Uh, uh, That'd be great. We're back with Susan, uh, and she says that my intermittent mustache makes me look like a weirdo. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the second thing that made me upset at Andrew in this day. And I really love Andrew. I don't like being pissed at him. He tells this story about, um, well, he cloaks the location, but we all know it's New Hampshire Public Radio, right? Do we? And there was, yeah, because he said after he left was when he moved to Seattle. I was just giving him some cover. No, no cover for this. <laughs> he He uncovered himself enough. And his apparently his boss was so bummed that he was leaving that this person did not do the necessary paperwork. And so Andrew ended up getting at least one extra paycheck. And when Human Resources called to ask for it back, they said, would you like to pay it back? And he said, obviously, I would prefer not to. And then he never returned the money. Mm-hmm. And Luke is proud of him. <sighs> Maybe I am just too morally black and white, well. but... Dude, that's stealing. I, I have if a, you know you have money and you need to give it back. I have a confession. Uh, when I finally uh, cleared probation, they called me. The FBI called me, and I went down to the FBI offices in downtown Seattle. And I, I 
they sent a guy down to take me up there, and there was a box of my possessions, stuff that had been seized, and uh, one of the, one of the things was an amount of cash that was on me when I turned myself in. It was like $180 and some change. And we were checking off all the items, and I was signing, you know, initialing all the things that I was getting back from them. And we got to the money, and the guy says, you really should, um, you really should give this money back. And I said, why? And he said, because it's stolen. I said, you don't know that. And I kept the money, because it was my option. Well, I think that's a totally different thing. It's not like you didn't end up making restitution. Right. Right. It's Eventually, just, I did do? pay it back. Right, but yeah, what are you going to hand 180 bucks to the FBI agent yeah. in the office and hope That's for the ridiculous. best? Hope he'll record it and put it in my record. I don't right. know. Right, but I think a paycheck is something completely different. Mm-hmm. And even if it was their mistake, that doesn't mean it's his option to keep it. Right. If you if you're going to be an honest person, you give it back. Yeah. Also, you want to keep your keep your references clean. <laughs> you yes, know. that's true. The people you work for, now you've sort of stolen from them. That's not that's not nice. And he did it because he knew the person wouldn't pursue it. So he took advantage <laughs> of this person. I'm assuming it's a woman, but that could be um not the case, but he he knew that he could take advantage of her, and mm-hmm. so he did it. And I don't like that. That's not our Andrew. Yeah. And Luke says this is how he approaches life. Who's going to come after me if I don't Pay my parking tickets. <laughs> yeah, right after he's and talking he, about his his fucked up credit. His shitty I was to say Equifax <laughs> yep. is going to come after him, <laughs> right, right? In a very subtle way that will ruin your life. And he he shares his run-in with the the talkative pool guy that we've heard mm-hmm. about before that he refused to pay. Well, for what was essentially a consult that he didn't actually do any work. Mm-hmm. And I understand why well, you wouldn't want to pay for that, but the guy spent his time. To come out and give you his his questionable expertise. Well, uh, so, I don't know. So I'm in Luke's that. I'm in Luke's corner on that, just because it was the guy who was following up on a job he had already been hired to do. Yeah, that's um, true. And it it does appear, at least indirectly, that it was a result of his work that caused the callback. You know, we had this fence installed a couple of months ago, and the gate was sagging because they didn't construct it with a proper crossbeam. And I called them and made them come fix it and bring it back. And if they had sent me an invoice for that, I probably would have gone ballistic on them. Because if they had done it right the first time, it wouldn't have been an mm-hmm. issue. Um, I ha- yeah, for, for Luke, it's just a little weirder because it was there was such a, a time lapse yeah, yeah. between when the work was done and when the problem was discovered. Yeah. Yep. I have a similar story. Um, we uh, When we were on our honeymoon a few years ago, we went to Aruba for a week and we stayed at sort of an a non-conventional place. It was a small bed and breakfast style hotel with 12 rooms and they all had their own doors like motel style, except that they faced a beautiful pool, uh, a couple of pools. Actually, it was just this little property. Uh, it had a little restaurant and the owner was very hands-on and didn't have much of a staff. Um, and when we booked the place, we liked the idea that it was a little out of the way and there wouldn't be a lot of people around. Um, and he said, great. Do you need a rental car? I have a car. That he rents out. It was this tiny little Toyota, smaller than even the Yaris, smaller than anything they sell in the U.S. And uh, I said, yeah, that's perfect. Great. He picked us up. He brought us back. He gave us the keys to the car. We had paid him for it as part of the room payment. And it came with a full tank of gas. And when we got there, he charged us $40 more for the car than we were anticipating. 
Um, and he just said, oh, no, that's the rate. And I said, no, I have these emails. You said it was the other rate. And he said, well, no, this is the rate. And I said, whatever. We just, we're going to take the car. It was still not unreasonably priced. We took the car for a week. We got it with a full tank of gas. I had forgotten to fill it up, so we left it empty. Uh, and by the end of this week, um, we had realized that this place was not great. <laughs> it was okay. Mm. Um, it was not maintained well. We had some issues with him, and also the credit card that I had paid him with got compromised while we were there. Uh, a Walmart in Texas randomly had charged a bunch of stuff to it. So I had had to deal with the credit card company from Aruba, get them to cancel the card, replace it. Um, we get back to the U.S. We're not thrilled with our experience with this guy overall. Uh, and then he starts calling me from Aruba, and he says, Hey, uh, just a heads up, you left the car with no gas in it. So I'm, it's going to be $40 to pay for the gas. I was like, first of all, that car was tiny. It's not $40 in gas. Yeah. That Toyota Yar. Yeah. <laughs> was not, it's and not going to so hold 40. I did what Andrew did. The started is an email and I just ignored it. Uh, and then a phone call and I ignored it. I got like, ignored the message. And then he calls again and says, I tried to process your credit card for that $40. Um, and it didn't go through. It was denied. And he sent me a bill by email and another voicemail. And I just wrote back to him and I said, really? The credit card that got compromised and you were the only person who had used it in like a month and then you overcharged us for the car and now you want money for the gas? Good luck with that. And mm -hmm. I never talked to him again. Now he works for Equifax. Yep. And you're, you're screwed. <laughs> and since he's you're, in you're a, at 4.15 right now. And since he's in Aruba and can barely run his business, I'm confident that I'm never going to have to pay that $40. I don't know. It's just hanging over your head, clearly. No, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, keeping in quickly with the pool talk, Carrie has turned out to be the pool master at Burbank Springs, uh, despite the fact that she has only used the pool maybe twice the whole summer. And she uses all the pool pH sticks to test the water composition and stuff. And I only mention this because then one of them says, it seems like that would be a guy's job. And I went, okay, that's the third time I'm mad at you guys today. Oh, my goodness. And I, I give that uh, pool one more year. Uh, <laughs> one more year. Before it gets filled in. Yeah. And okay. the pool technician was a woman. <laughs> was a woman. <laughs> and finally, uh, we get a voicemail from Beth on the song Closing Time. And she said it always makes her sad because it was the one and only mixtape she ever received from a boy in sixth grade. And when her dad found it, he freaked out and threw it away. And it always makes her sad. And so Andrew says that we should make Beth a new mixtape. And so we did on yes, Spotify. Did. Yes, you did. Well, I started it, but I've had a lot of help since I launched oh. it. Oh. I guess I haven't looked at it lately. People have started to pile on. I will. It's a it's a public list. Oh yeah, basically by people I mean Lauren. Uh, a couple of other people have added a couple of songs. Bobby, uh, since the uh, GoFundMe is wrapped up, why don't you pin your list to the top of the stems? All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so someone, so uh, Naomi Hilliard added one song, and someone whose name a username I don't recognize. Um, added Catch My Disease and Words, the song by Dove, so they added the songs that bookend mm -hmm. <laughs> TBTL. Uh, and then, yeah, Lauren just went nuts and added a bunch of great 90s, very 90s songs. So uh, Crushing on TBTL is the name of the playlist, 
and uh, I'll put it in the show notes and I'll I'll put it on the Facebook page and everyone should feel free to add your favorite mixtape <laughs> 90s music to it. Uh, Fabulous Thunderbirds were performing Ramp It Up uh, at shows in the 90s. Can I put that? <laughs> <laughs> if you, sir, can figure out how to add a song to a Spotify playlist, you can do whatever you want. Oh, taking some shots at the old man, are we? <laughs> All right. Uh, are you taking us to Friday, old man? Yeah, Friday, twenty two twenty nine. Bald move. I like the title because uh, we're going to get into some bald talk here in a minute. Not a lot happened on Friday. It was a short show, and Luke was really paranoid about his coworkers catching him podcasting. Um, he was. He seemed like inordinately like uh, uh, the three pina coladas didn't help. You would think no. that they would help, but yeah. He's had three pina coladas. Is he shooting some something about? I have no idea what this story would even be. The CBS story: drinking pina coladas. I believe in a bar it's about Portland. pina coladas. That, but in Portland, why? <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, we're doing a story about pina coladas. Let's. We got to get somebody to Portland. Stat. Portland is an ideal city to get caught in the rain. Uh, very true. <laughs> get caught in the mist. Maybe that's why he's going to Puerto Rico. Did they do yes. pina coladas there? You probably that is it. Good call. This is um, all coming together now. It is. We're finally figuring it out here on Friday. Andrew finds Sleep Easy Hutch rhymes on Amazon and tries to send it to about seven different places in the United States, <laughs> which leads to talk about how bad Luke is at Amazon and how many things he sends to hotels that he's no longer staying at or to relatives uh who won't understand why they're receiving certain things but um one of the items that he uh, has been that has been sent and not received to a hotel is a bottle of hot no hot topic again a bottle of topic hair powder is how luke describes it and it's um i was looking at the website for this thing and they don't none of the products there actually say powder but uh, Phyllis was telling me that um, one of the guys on the Howard Stern show uses this topic and it describes it as powder as well. So I've narrowed it down to a couple different products that it could be. But um, it's sort of a volumizing thing. And there are also I, supposed to be some some nutrients in there that, that encourage hair growth. They even sell vitamins. Uh-huh, sure. Some hair growth vitamins on the site for like $20 a bottle. Um I'm sure it does like look good on camera or look good from the stage. I I'm dubious about the uh hair nutritional value. <laughs> uh I used to work with a guy. This was many years ago now who um who had a pronounced bald spot and would use this type of powder. I don't know if it was topic specifically, um but he would use a powder to fill out his hair. Uh and this was uh, where I worked in a marketing department and he would, he was the director of the department and he would go into our graphic designer's office and he would sit in a chair next to the graphic designer's desk and he would sort of lean back and mm. he would sort of roll his head back and forth on a white wall a little bit. Mm. And then he would leave oh, and no. there was a black <laughs> spot, <laughs> like a, like a black oh, chalk boy. dust spot. Was it, was it easily cleanable or is this stuff like, it was always sort of there. You could sort of dust it off, but not get quite all of it. And no, you wouldn't know what it is unless you realized that that's where he was sitting so and then getting up. It was your sort of your personal version of the Jerry Curl scene in Coming to America. <laughs> 
something where they like they get up off the couch. The Jerry Curl family gets up off the couch, and there are like three huge grease spots. Yeah, on the couch. That is that is disturbing, Bobby. That's really disturbing. Did it? Was, it, it did was, it look good? No, of course not. Oh. And it was. Uh, and it was like, how do you 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 can't say anything about that? Mm. No. Like, hey, uh, let's call him Steve. Hey, Steve, uh, your hair. There's a. Um, could you get some of your hair off the wall? Yeah. There's a little bit on the wall. Uh, could you could you pin up something first? Maybe put a poster there if you're going to sit there. But for TV, I get it. Like it's not like anyone's touching it or anything. Yeah, I think so. That Whatever. once he said that, then it made more sense to me. So the top story: uh, Nancy Grace is retiring from HLN. I guess uh, finally, all the forensic files have turned out to be a better financial deal uh, so they'll just take over that hour from her um so they won't keep having to um, pay live bodies to speculate about dead bodies um let's see oh uh the the reason it's a top story is because there's an interview with jim norton and i don't know the other guy's name and uh, it's contentious um i mean she her behavior isn't the worst i've ever heard it seems mm-hmm. like the guys were at least in the clip we heard, the guys who were interviewing her were trying to be reasonable, but um, she had figured out that, you know, this wasn't the best vehicle for her uh, promotion for whatever movie that she's uh, transitioning to from HLN. So um, the reason uh, I really want to talk about this was uh, last time we talked about Nancy Grace, Bobby, you sent me a, a famous scene from the West Wing where they really break down Nancy Grace. It's actually the newsroom, but I will not oh, fault you room, for right. for crossing your Aaron Sorkin canon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so newsroom's based on a cable evening news show, and at one point when they're debating how to handle covering a uh, uh, Casey Anthony, actually not even like Casey Anthony, but actually Casey Anthony, um, they're they're breaking down how Nancy Grace manipulates her audiences, and it is. Uh, a thoroughly accurate <laughs> it's amazing and uh and really mm-hmm. telling breakdown so one more thing for the show notes i'll put the link in there uh it's three minutes or so on youtube worth watching just terrific i immediately shared it with emily and and it is so spot on yeah it's amazing um i didn't uh have a whole lot uh, else for Friday because, like I said, Luke was trying to trying to get done and get out. Um, I guess everybody's listening to In the Dark. I think Emily is too. Um, it seems like everybody I know is on a true crime uh, podcasting spree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, music for your weekend. Andrew brings. Uh, it's actually Sharifa featuring Ludacris. Need a boss, Luke. Um, a Hot 100 hit of the moment that neither of these guys realizes is a Hot 100 hit of the moment. Uh, Dram uh, featuring Little Yachty with uh, Broccoli, which may or may not be about weed. It's definitely weed. <laughs> little, little Yachty. <laughs> How, yachts are big. I don't get the, the, it's. I don't know. It's, um, it's something to think about. And then um, Katie Brings- It's like be Big Dingy. You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Big Dingy just sounds like another OK Cupid. Uh, yeah, another, another guy coming at you at OK Cupid, <laughs> sitting uh, sitting on his mattress. Hey, Big Dingy here, come over uh, and have a lemon drop with me. Listener Katie, uh, Christine and the Queens with. Um, did we get the final pronunciation on lowercase i capital T? 
I I watched the video and it's it. It. Yeah. It. <laughs> it. The whole song is about it. Yeah. So. What is it? You'll have to listen. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's, good. it's a good song. Good choice, Kate. <laughs> and do you want to get us through housekeeping? Sure thing. In housekeeping today, uh, the archive project is going well. We are almost caught up to date. Um, and of course, we'll never actually get totally up to date as long as they keep making new TBTLs. Um, we're working on the radio days, so that project is uh, rapidly approaching completion. Thanks, guys. This is awesome. We have the Best of Western Washington contest is still going on. I believe it's through the end of the month. So you can vote for us for Best Podcast in Western Washington. Let's at least get top five so that Christy can go to the party. And I think you can just search King 5 Best of Western Washington and you'll get there. I think that's and how I found it. This adv- this advice, this uh, plea coming to you from uh, Minnesota, Texas, and Rhode Island. <laughs> yes and if you think that we don't deserve it at least go and vote for phyllis because Mm -hmm. she certainly does deserve a best news personality i can't remember exactly what the category title is but she should win for sure and we'd like to announce something special here today nerd out loud has been on a bit of a hiatus but we have a new show that's joining the 10710 network and it is by our all of our good friend Amy Shepard, who is a ten and a wagoneer, and it's called Earbuds and Earworms. She and her friend Jason are doing a music podcast coming for, from the perspective of Amy, who is a pop music listener, and Jason, who is uh, he says enjoys listening to the pop music from before hair metal. So some disco. Yeah. Is in his pre pre nineteen eighty, and a discussion yes. on how disco and and the country music of that era aren't necessarily just those genres because those were the pop music of those eras, and that's worth noting. Um, I wonder if even Mike would be able to enjoy a perspective on music that isn't music he hates because it is. <laughs> yeah, I I have listened to uh, the first two episodes, which means episode zero and episode one, and I enjoyed really enjoyed the discussion of. Uh, Iron Butterfly, um, Inagata DeVita, um, in particular because I had a friend in college. He was the biggest friend and he was a nice guy, but he was a huge dude and had a super uh, intimidating deep voice and just quite a menacing presence. And we were at a party one night and he didn't like anybody at this party. So he sat by the stereo and played Inagata DeVita over and over and over <laughs> and over. <laughs> And I just enjoyed the, uh, dredging up that memory. Yep. So yep. Uh, Earbuds and Earworms is the name of the podcast. There's also a Facebook group, Earbuds Ampersand Earworms Podcast. Uh, they'll also, I believe, have pages on the 10710. Yep. They're, uh, Jeremy's all over it. They've got their own landing page. Um, 10710.com slash E and spelled out E pod. Uh, so just where you find your... your uh, your better Little Red Bandwagon podcasts, you can also find uh, Earbuds and Earworms, Stitcher, iTunes, all those places in your podcatcher. Um, I've listened to all the episodes, including the one that just dropped this morning. These guys have a really great banter and get into baldness talk, which is why I think Jeremy was so eager to put them on the <laughs> 710. 
10710 Network. Um, it's a very hot topic on their show, The Baldness. Yeah, they know one another yep. really well, and it's fun listening to them challenge one another with their musical tastes. And they just sound so charming talking with those Tennessee accents in a way that I mm-hmm. thought if this was two Minnesotans, this would not be as charming. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we really uh, we are enjoying this effort, and it's not just because Amy happens to be really good at bribing with cheese. Mm. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Mike, and she sent us a promo, right? Are you gonna? Yes. Oh, drop yes, the promo thank in you. here. Promo. Uh, take a listen to this clip from the latest episode, the newest episode right now of Earbuds and Earworms. So, um, what big things happened in music international awards today? What happened, Jason? Oh, Bob Dylan got a got a Nobel Prize for literature. Right. So that's kind of a. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. I kind of think he should have already gotten one, maybe like 20 (laughs) years ago, but whatever. You see, you have to talk about this because I don't know anything about Bob Dylan, and I've not listened to... Like, I I swear that I've put the CD in, and I just... um, I don't watch a lot. I just did not get into Bob Dylan, which makes it... That's why I'm in a music podcast. Yeah, well... (laughs) Some people might be interested to find out what my favorite Bob Dylan song is. What is it? It's Lay Lady Lay. Uh, what's that one sound like? It's. <laughs> I should have known you wouldn't know the greatest <laughs> Bob Dylan song ever. All right, so if you want more of that, and I think you do, earbuds and earworms. Now, quickly, how to get involved. You can find us at littleredbandwagon.com, on Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon, and in the Stens page. The show Twitter is LRB Podcast. And a quick personal plug, if you're interested in an account that only tweets the joke, sounds like my last date, back at other people's tweets, follow at my last date, which is my newest venture. <laughs> nice. Email littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemail 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Uh, and with that... Anne, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. I love you, Jen. And as it says on the run sheet, wrap it up. (laughs) I'll take it. Nailed it. That's awful. That's an awful (laughs) sound.